You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. All right, as promised, uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 17 this morning. If you have a Bible, you can put a bookmark there. We'll be reading verses 11 to 19. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. While they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has saved you. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. So in verse 11, we read that he's traveling to Jerusalem, and this is amazing, right off the bat, that Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. That means he's on his way to the cross, right? The most important event in the history of mankind. And yet, Jesus has time to show compassion and mercy on this group of unclean men. Of course, we've read that Jesus doing this time and time again in Luke. But as the cross draws near, he's still not too busy to reach out and touch and heal humanity, to respond to suffering in real time, to display God's kindness to those who seem the least worthy. Now, leprosy is uh, the Greek word lepra. That's where we get it from. Uh, Lepra includes various skin diseases. It could be anything, all of which would make these men religiously unclean. Okay, they're not fit to go to the synagogue. They're not even fit to be in town around other people. They're outcast. So as the lepers see Jesus coming in the distance, they begin to shout about being unclean, unclean. And we've probably heard this before. It sounds dramatic, but it's normal in this time and place for them to say this because to anyone who cared about their purity, they would avoid lepers at all costs, keep their distance from them, and certainly not draw near. So they're unclean. Can you imagine this? Just for a moment. Imagine having to announce your unworthiness to any and every person who came close to you. To have to hear yourself and your friends, the other lepers, announce this, that you're unclean before humans and before God. This was the social and spiritual reality that they lived with. And now, here is Jesus, both God and man, listening to them and walking towards them. And Jesus hears their cry for mercy. He hears them. He doesn't avoid them and run away. He hears them. Now, curiously, rather than healing them immediately, which is perhaps what we would like to imagine would happen, he actually responds by sending them away. He says, now go and see the priests. As we hear this, we may be confused as if he's 
made some kind of mistake or something wrong. But this command to the lepers would be filled with possibility and extremely exciting and meaningful. Because the law of Moses, we've talked about this with other lepers in Luke, but let's remember the law of Moses in Leviticus 14 talks about lepers and priests. I won't read all the details, but here's the summary, Leviticus 14, 1-3. This is the law concerning the person afflicted with skin disease on the day of his cleansing. He's brought to the priest who will go outside the camp and examine him. And I'll make the same joke again as I did last time I preached about this. The difference between an Old Testament priest and a pastor today is significant, one of which is it is not my job to examine your skin problems. Praise God for, for doctors. Yeah. Uh, we are clapping for our doctors, not for me. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, for medical doctors who take care of us. But in this time, it was the job of the priests to do just that, right? To determine if they were well or not for both personal reasons, but also religious ones. And so they go. They, they walk to find the priests at the synagogue or wherever they would find them. And in their obedience to Jesus, in this act of walking where Jesus told them to go on their way, it says they're cleansed of their horrible disease. They're cleansed. Now, just to pause for a moment, I'm reminded of a story from 2 Kings 5 about a man called Naaman. Have you ever heard of Naaman? Naaman was a... a uh, a soldier or a leader of soldiers, and he had leprosy. And so Elisha the prophet uh, sends God's word to this man and says, Naaman, you can be healed, but you have to be washed in a dirty stream. And Naaman's response is actually indignant. Uh, he, 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 he kind of retorts and says, are you serious? Is this actually God's plan for me? Like, why not at least in a clean body of water somewhere else or something more appropriate. Now, God provides a, a servant woman who speaks with wisdom, uh, as women often do, and <laughs> reminds Naaman, could you at least not try it? Just give it a try. If God has said this, and if it works, basically what have you got to lose? And so Naaman does. He listens to God through the voice of this woman, and uh, He's cleansed. Praise God. So this story rem reminds us of that one a little bit uh, because in our own way, each of us are like the lepers in the Bible, aren't we? Each of us needs the touch of Jesus to heal us. Now, it may be physical healing. Probably all of us in some way could use physical healing. Our bodies are failing us, are they not? We need Jesus' touch to be healed. We need emotional healing in our hearts. There's things that have hurt us and broken us, and God can heal those. Praise God. And absolutely, most definitely, we all need spiritual healing to be saved, to be forgiven of sin and brought near to God again. We all need this. But there are things that hold us back, aren't there? Oftentimes, I think we lack the trust in Jesus to actually obey him and start walking towards the priest or obey him and go into the dirty water to be dunked and then cleansed miraculously. So what if the thing that holds us back from healing, what if the thing that's holding us back from experiencing God's power in life is that we are reluctant to step out in faith 
and to believe in the promises before actually seeing them come to pass. Do we trust God and his promises before we actually understand how they come about? Because this is what the lepers did. They stepped out in faith. They trusted that Jesus was worth obeying. After all, what did they have to lose? What did they have to lose? They were lepers. Their lives sucked. At the very least, they would carry on, you know, in their crummy existence as it was. But the chance of being healed and restored was too good to pass up. Nothing was stopping them. Unlike uh, Naaman, who was prideful, and unlike some of the other people who are going to come up in the next chapter of Luke, the lepers had nothing to lose. So because of this, they walked towards the priests. They were cleansed. Praise God. What about us? I think sometimes we have too many contingency plans when it comes to God's power in our lives, right? If he doesn't come through, it'll actually be fine. I've got, I've got a backup or I've got my own thing. I, I can figure it out. This is a bad approach to the God of the universe. Believe me, before God, we truly all have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Before God, we've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. So today, when we come before Jesus, we offer him our trust for healing and power, even if we don't know the outcomes because we believe in his promises. Now in verse 15, this is where it gets really fun. One of the ten lepers feels compelled to turn back and to praise Jesus for his miracle loudly. So he falls down. In verse 16, it says he thanks Jesus. Now, the Greek word for thank is eucharisteo. And this word is used 37 times in Scripture. But this is the only time that the word is directed to Jesus and not God the Father. So this man praises God through Jesus, bowing at the feet of Jesus, God in flesh. And this is significant, is it not? This is very significant because as the leper th praised God, he, he's praised at the feet of Jesus, right? After experiencing Jesus' compassion and healing, he also received truly a divine revelation of who Jesus was, and he praised God through the Son. He worshiped Jesus for who he was, the Son of God, who he is, the Son of God, the Lord in the flesh. In verse 16, uh, Luke also emphasizes that the man was a Samaritan. The man was a Samaritan. Um, rather than explain the significance of this, I'll let my study Bible do the talking in this note from John 4.4. Listen to this. The Samaritans were a racially mixed group of partly Jewish, partly Gentile ancestry who were disdained by both Jews and non-Jews. Many inhabitants of this region between Judea and Galilee were descendants of the Old Testament northern kingdom of Israel, although from the Jewish perspective, these Samaritans had assimilated strongly into non-Jewish culture and had intermarried with Mesopotamian colonists. So the Samaritans had their own version of the Pentateuch, their own temple on Mount Gerizim, their own rendering of Israelite history. As a result, tensions often ran high between Jews and Samaritans. Thus, Josephus' account of fighting between Jews and Samaritans during Claudius's reign in the first century AD being so intense that Roman soldiers were called in to pacify and crucify many of the rebels. So in short, this man that Jesus healed was not supposed to be the one who was seeing Jesus, 
the Messiah for who he truly is. He wasn't even supposed to be seeing Jesus at all, right? But Jesus apparently has no problem with that. In fact, he heals this guy the same as the other nine. And he blesses him above and beyond them because of his pureness in heart, because of his expression of praise to God. It is not always the best candidates who receive the greatest blessing from God, is it? From Matthew 5, Jesus taught, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Samaritan leper was most definitely poor in spirit, and he, his response to Jesus was pure in heart. And so he was blessed to actually see Jesus for who he was and to have the opportunity to praise him at his feet, a thing that many of us would give anything to do and one day will do. He praises him. So the healing of the Samaritan man was an individual event. He changed this man's life forever. But it has a symbolic meaning as well that extends far beyond this one instance. Jesus healed not just this man, but the Samaritan world, non-Jewish world, so to speak, as a whole. This is very important. We'll talk about it briefly. Uh, Paul explains in Romans 9, And what if God did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory on us, the ones he also called, not only from Jews, but also from Gentiles? As it says in Hosea, I will call not my people, my people, and she who is unloved, beloved. And it will be in the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called living sons of God. This is an explanation of the very personal encounter that the Samaritan had with Jesus. And it's, we've said it before, but it's worth repeating at this point that most, if not all of us listening here this morning, are called into this promise, this family of God, not because of Jewish descent, but by divine adoption. We are a part of the same covenant, not by descent, but by grace. In Galatians 3, Paul again teaches, You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. The Samaritan, he had faith, he's Abraham's son. A radical thing at the time. Now the scriptures saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Now, consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. So this leper was blessed because of his faith in Jesus and was healed. And then on top of that, he was so overcome with his blessing that he returned to Jesus to thank him. And praise God in the moment. And I just want to point out the other nine guys who were healed, surely they were happy as well, right? Jesus saved their lives for the time being, and this is awesome. Although I love, it. Jesus sounds sarcastic, does he not, when he says, uh, were there not ten? <laughs> Where are the other nine? <laughs> uh, I think he probably was, at least being rhetorical, which sounds sarcastic, so it makes me laugh. Were there not ten? 
Um, yeah, the other guys were happy. In fact, they were obeying Jesus, right? He said, go and see the priests, and so they did. Nothing wrong with that. But here the Samaritan man was healed not just of his disease, but fully of, of the sin that had distorted not only the body, but the spirit as well in due time, right? His faith in God through Jesus did this, and Jesus said, you are well or whole or saved, depending on your translation. And so, this is, I guess, the second application, a very simple one for us this morning, that as we live out our salvation through Jesus, we also should be compelled to intentionally thank God for what he's done, for what he's doing, and for what he will do in our lives. Too often, I think, we receive God's gifts, um, perhaps like a child at Christmas who like, tears off the wrapping paper and gets the thing and then runs off to go and play with it, which at Christmas, no worries, that's cool. <laughs> but with God and his generosity towards us, his children, when he gives us gifts, we would do well not to run off and just enjoy the blessing, but to return to God again and again with heartfelt thanksgiving for what he's done. I think this is why the scriptures again and again, especially the Psalms, uh, command us to praise. I think God in his, in his foresight knows that we are people who are quick to forget, right? Slow to thank. And so if we open our Bibles, there's a good chance you're going to have a command to praise God, to come before him with thanksgiving. Psalm 107, 19 to 22 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from their traps. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and for his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer thanksgiving sacrifices and announce his works with shouts of joy. You'll notice that this and many other commands in the Bible to praise God are fairly nonspecific, right? It's simply the command, praise the Lord and thank him. And this is okay because it's an invitation in praise basically to fill in the blank, right? To let the Holy Spirit bring to mind for you what you have to thank him for. And so as we praise God this morning, we can be specific in this way to fill in the blank, to thank him. What would you fill in the blank with? What would you praise God for in your life? As we think about this, for some, this is a more difficult question to answer than others, right? You may be here and feel that you have nothing to be thankful for, honestly. Or maybe there's one thing that's super painful and difficult, so that thing overshadows all the other things that you could be, you know, more thankful for. Or maybe the thing that you wish that you were thankful for is actually out of reach or, or, or it's something that you've lost. Something like that. I get this. I get this, and so does God. But today I want to encourage us all, whoever you are, to behold the truth of God's amazing grace on all of us, no matter who you are. That God in his mercy has sent his son to see us in our circumstances, to hear our cry of unclean, unclean, Lord, have mercy on us, 
and to respond to that. Not to walk the other way, but to see us in our distress and save us. So let us praise God for who He is, for what He has done. To get us thinking on this, to get us started, I wanted to read a list compiled by theologian Daryl Bach, a relatively short one, um, because he turns to Scripture and, and just starts listing suggestions uh, for why we could possibly be inspired to praise God in this moment. And here's what he says. God is thanked for his deliverance, for loving us and being faithful, for hearing our cry, for safe arrival after long, arduous journeys, for other believers and for the testimony of their faith, for the gift of salvation that enables one not to sin, for delivering us from our tendency to sin, for the spiritual gift of being able to address God, for resurrection hope, for testimony and deliverance and victory in the midst of persecution, for the support of a colleague in ministry, for other believers, for those who respond to God's word, for being able to serve others for God, and last but absolutely not least, for his attributes. These are just some of the options for thanksgiving. Notice that this list includes not one item having to do with things, possessions, and I would add circumstances. They're all about God, who he is, his greatness, his blessing, and what he's doing. So this morning, as we've gathered, as we are preparing to take the Lord's Supper and to keep singing our praises, let this list linger in our hearts and move us to a thankfulness that we will actually name before God in praise. Communion is a powerful reminder that we pause to dwell on each week at the gate. A reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made to deliver people out of sin and dying and into eternal light and life with God. So if you're here with us and you wish to praise God in this way of receiving the Lord's Supper, you're welcome to, and I encourage you to, to be united with other believers, both in this church and around the world, the name of Jesus by receiving uh, the elements which symbolize his body and his blood today. And if you look around you on your chairs, you'll find these little cups. Uh, on the top layer is a cracker, and underneath is a layer of juice as well. His body and his blood. From 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord... But I also passed on to you, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we'll receive this now together. In 
In the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we proclaim that together this morning with thanksgiving. Let's pray and thank God together. Jesus, we come to you this morning really no different than this group of lepers, Lord. We are not worthy. We don't deserve your compassion. And yet, you are our only hope of being saved. We cry out to you, Lord, have mercy on us. And as we do this, before the words even come out of our mouths, Lord, we know and believe that you hear our cry for help and you rescue us. I pray, God, that we all would have a faith today that would believe in Jesus as the source of hope, Lord, of health and healing, of blessing and salvation for each and every one of us. Lord, may we walk in faith where you are commanding us to walk, not hesitating, not waiting until all our questions are answered or whatever it would be, Lord, but to obey and walk as you command us to. And as we obey you, Lord, I pray with believing that your power will unleash in our lives in specific and glorious ways. So in this, may we be a church who returns to you again and again, falling at your feet, saying, thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your healing, for rescuing us. Lord, thank you for the true life that is found in the person and work of your son, Jesus, and that we have his spirit dwelling in us now as believers, accomplished at the cross, as we've remembered just now, the free gift of salvation that we receive today with celebration and thanksgiving and humble hearts and affection turned to you, our Father, Lord. We pray all these things and more in the power of Jesus' name.